it's noon. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I think it's a little, yeah, it's like 12-ish. Oh, it's the day after the Super Bowl, so there you go. On a Monday. <laughs> yeah, feeling a little morning-y. Yeah, yeah. I think it, Jack, you're right. It's the crack of noon. How about that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So how was the trip over here? <laughs> All the way from Oakland. Wow, it was amazing. Um, yeah. I didn't watch the Super Bowl yesterday. Uh, Tom watched it a little bit, but I was kind of avoiding it. I, I was getting like nervous for, I think, Alante, and I just didn't want to deal with it. Yeah, well, it was not good for <laughs> That's for And that's why I'm glad I didn't watch not it. Not good. Yeah. But uh, not good for Tom either. His back has been hurting, right? Yeah, so he was kind of in and out of sleep. Poor guy. So he barely watched it. <laughs> it was, yeah. I was making the jokes. He's like Ray Charles having withdrawals in the end of the, no. end of the movie, right? Oh, man. It's been a long time since I've seen like, that. Uh, like having those night terrors, like having to drag, oh, him, I do remember drag him back to bed and oh, he's God. like shaking. That's basically and- <laughs> what our life is like the last couple of days. Well, we played, a, we played that late night gig on Saturday. He had two gigs in a row. He did a three-hour gig on Friday after throwing his back out and then he did our, our Vinny's gig. And I think uh, I think that just about killed him. So Sunday he just kind of was able to relax. And how how exactly did he pull it? I he doesn't know. He was just like at work, and it he doesn't like remember a specific like action like or a move event. that he did. Yeah. But he, yeah, he just you know it's just part of being in your thirties now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just get hurt. <laughs> that's yeah. how it, that's you just how it twist happens. the wrong way, and it's you all over. Move, it's yeah, all downhill from there. Move a certain way, and it's all over. But um, your back starts degenerating. Yeah. Stuff to look forward to. But yeah, it's been a long time since we've podcast. Last we had Nate on, and for whatever reason, we did our little Reno trip. So that kind of, you know, put a roadblock in our our uh, podcast recording. So yeah, it was fun though. Geez, where where were we the last time we podcast? We were at your place in Oakland, and then before that, I was here. We did the Sid and Nancy one on like an evening. That was a fun one. Yeah, that was a good one. But yeah, I think uh, I think there's a lot has happened for sure we've uh we just went to reno and back for our Mm -hmm. state line or bus tour and that was eventful maybe we'd talk talk to us a little bit about that because we want to get into the the main thing we're talking about but just a little radio keys update because it it has been a while yeah we played uh three shows in three nights was before um so we played torch club in sacramento on thursday got a trailer hitch on dad's jeep the four of us drove up together um, and then that night we drove or Alante drove after the show at like two in the morning, uh, to Alta where we stayed, uh, with, uh, Tom's And dad. Alta is like this tiny little mountain town. It's it kind feels of by like, Truckee. yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was snowing, which was cool. And then we drove over Donner Pass where the Donner party ate each other. Yeah. Which was weird. <laughs> like I was like, I was like, look, it's Donner Pass, like the Donner party. And Tom's like, yeah, that's, this is literally where it happened. <laughs> and I was like, right here. We don't spend a lot of time up there. Um, no, and none. then yeah, Friday we played, uh, uh, the Saint in Reno, which is like one of the most beautiful venues I've ever played. Stop, Saint. Um, it had, it has like, it's huge. It has brick walls, wood floors, a gorgeous stage. It's this open space with this beautiful bar. It's like some of the best sound I've ever had. It's got stage lighting. There's a green room. Yeah. Shout out patio. Patrick, sound guy. Oh yeah. Good job. And I, Nico bartender. Nico bartender. I actually yeah. remembered their names because I met Patrick and I was like, Patrick, Stuart, Patrick, Patrick. And then I met Nico and I was like, Nico, Velvet Underground record with Nico, Nico. And like, then I figured I like remember for some names. reason, Nico, like I've heard that name quite a few times recently for some reason. And I, it's really easy for me to remember. I'm not sure why. It's just <laughs> like, a different name. Yeah. It's yeah. just, and he was great. He was one of the uh, bartenders, but, um, 
Yeah, he, he's got a lot to do with everything. Big he's shout booking out to Nico. Too. So like, we show up early, early because you know you're on tour. There's not shit to do except for drive to the <laughs> venue, and then you're like, well, here we are. Yeah, you know? <laughs> we're in so, the town. Yeah. We show up and we're having a drink at the bar and we're paying for it because, you know, we're not really on the clock yet. So yeah, to speak. it's early. And uh, he's like, what are you guys drinking? And we're like, whiskey sodas. He's like, all right, cool, cool. He, you know, he gives us the drinks. We pay. It's like so cheap. And we know it's like $4 a drink. You I know? paid for a round. I, I got like a glass of wine, which is usually like $12 here and like three drinks for you guys. And it was yeah. like. Fourteen dollars, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. <laughs> I was like trying to figure trying it to out. Do the math, I was like, like, "Yeah, this doesn't seem right." Two seventy-five. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What kind of crazy happy hour is this?" So we go and uh, we, I think we we get uh, we get all our stuff loaded in. Everything's kind of situated. We do the sound check. And then when we go back to the green room, Nico had brought in a fifth of Jameson <laughs> and a two liter of soda water because and an he knows bucket. that we like <laughs> drinking. Yeah. And he knows that we like drinking whiskey sodas because that's Aww. what we ordered at the bar. So they hooked that up. So apparently, really nice. Apparently Tom asked him too because he was like, oh, um, you know, Emily drinks wine so she can just buy it or like buy a bottle from the bar or whatever. And he's like, she can bring in whatever she wants. He told me that too. And I, I tried to, but I just ended up like, I don't think I paid for a single drink. He gave me like wine at the bar and yeah, yeah he never, they were really, they were really fabulous. Um, and we played with uh, Mickey Ray and Taking Root. Um, no, not Taking Root in local anthology. No, but Taking Root. Oh yeah, Mickey sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I was yeah. thinking of, for some reason I was thinking Tahoe Tribe. Taking Root, Taking Root, Tahoe uh, it's a Tribe. Similar, it's, um, it's taking Root reminds me of planting seeds. That's how I remind it. It's just my fuzzy brain. Yeah, so I guess Mickey seeds. Ray is Mickey Ray and Taking Root are the two guys that she plays with. Yeah. So we were talking about Tay and the Jangla Dawes the other day. We're like, <laughs> she's like, we're Tay and the Jangla Dawes, and it's like. I thought you were Tay and they're the Jangla Dawes. You know, like, I'm it's the Tay same and thing. Like, the I'm Dawes? Mickey Ray and this is Taking Root. Like, I don't know how, you, yeah, I've never been in a band where it it's like Emily and the something. So I've never yeah, had you to introduce. Be like, we're Emily and the somethings. You'd be like, I'm Emily and these are the whatever. Like, it's like Gladys Knight and the Pips. I'm Gladys Knight and these are the Pips. You I'm know, like, I'm Rate Lift and these are the Night Sweats. Yeah. I guess so. I get, yeah, I guess you're right. So we had a big debate about that. So if anyone has <laughs> a <Hot any> debate, <laughs> you guys would have. No, a hot it's like me and Alante were talking about that the other day. We're like, what? Why isn't it you're the person and they're the other people? That's why you're one person and the other people? Like, that's the way it works, right? I guess, yeah. I've never thought about it that much. It didn't bother me when she said that, but I get it. Like, if it was Jimi Hendrix and the experience, then it would be. I'm Jimi but Hendrix. These are the experience, but they're the, the Jimi the Hendrix, Hendrix experience. experience. So we're the it's an Jimi interesting Hendrix name. Experience. I never thought about that name that much, yeah. but um, I think she introduced them as. Ta I think she said we're taking root when they were out yeah. there. So I'm a little confused. But she asked Tom to on the flyer have Mickey Ray and with taking root. Um, yeah. But anyway, and they just lost their guitar player, and she was telling me backstage. She's like, "Yeah, she's made playing, it sound like a tragedy. She's what playing, happened to him? No, they just uh, <laughs> he just left, and they broke up. I guess she they were dating." Oh yeah, and uh, I hope this isn't like classified information. I don't think it. I don't think it is. Um, I met her mom too, and she told me the same story. She's like, "Yeah, she's nervous because like usually they have a guitar player, but it was just her on the ukulele and then bass and drums." These are the spicy rumors. We and like I to and I told her, I told her backstage, I'm like, "Dude, no, you're carrying it. Like, I w if you had told me you've never had a guitar player, I would have believed you. Like, she was totally, totally. It was uh, a cool carrying it because yeah. I was talking to you about it too she has like this really cool vocal pedal which adds like little harmonies to her voice whenever she wants it so it fills out the sound so much and it wasn't like 
aggressively like, present it was like, it's not like in the computer. background yeah so it's it very like subtle well i didn't backup. notice it i i just was kind of like in my head i'm like oh like the bass player is doing backups but then i look over and i'm like no he's not yeah. <laughs> so it's like i'm like wait a second it added it's like really that subtle, nice but it little cool. lift to the choruses and yeah. stuff so i thought it was cool i thought she played really well and then she we has had, like some really like viable like pop material i think that could really take her somewhere oh yeah like the haters song that could be a yeah, straight sure. up ariana grande song she should she yeah. should uh she should well she's recording right now <laughs> she's in the studio i saw Good. phoenix shout out to phoenix and tiffany coming out yeah. um i i saw that uh she was in the studio like f- like taking photographs of mickey ray like doing her first recording Aww. session so that's exciting that'll come out soon and then local yeah. anthology uh played and twice uh, with us yeah they were a big band at the Saint. They had a they had a, an additional member, just trumpet? one though, right? Yeah, the trumpet player, keyboard. Yeah, he's he, like their um, what's it called? Not utility guy, auxiliary guy. guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's like a hired gun. He, I think he said those words himself. Um, he like tours and stuff. He was talking about he's like I'm about to go to Europe, and I'm like that's cool. Um, so he's actually I think he was just kind of sitting in with them, but he has another group that he does really well with i think yeah i'm not sure it was i remember listening to him talk about they're going to like a bunch of coastal cities because they're kind of a i guess they're kind of like a i don't know they said they look at like their manager looks at a bunch of like analytics where their music is like trending and then they're just trying to that's really smart i mean absolutely yeah we'd be going straight to brazil for some reason (laughs) for some reason i'm in there's someone in brazil (laughs) who really likes us yay Oh man! But um, other than that, I don't know where we tour. <laughs> I have an old roommate who moved to Brazil. I wonder if that's it. It's probably not, but it could be. Brazil can be tough because it's like it's so beautiful and there's so much awesome culture there. But then there's some like really, really impoverished places. So it's, it's a like, huge place. I remember when the Olympics were there. There was a lot of like there were a lot of kind of sketchy situations. Some of the athletes were put in. And then that one swimmer dude like made up a whole situation. It was anyway. Brazil, <laughs> I think Brazil. I think Brazil would be really fun. And I think the people are like really nice yeah, there. Yeah, I think for you just go to part, the right places. There's just yeah, there's a different kind of poverty in some places of the world. Yeah. So it's kind of scary. I think it would be scary to travel like just the four of us, like we did to Reno in a place we have no idea about. No, like, we probably we don't have the means to do that. Like even when I was in Spain, just walking around, I remember being like so paranoid. Like I am completely out of my environment i don't speak the language i don't know anything about anything yeah i barely have like this money that doesn't even look like real money <laughs> like, yeah i mean i was in eastern europe by myself like prague and budapest um and i just had a rule that i didn't go out by myself at night at all yeah which like i'd be in the hostel and there's men and women in my hostel because it was like the cheaper hostels and the guys would always be like oh we're going out oh it's fine it's cool we're, it's not yeah. dangerous and i'm like yeah it's a different world for me dude like it's just a different thing like yeah, anyway. this guy at the the most recent show he played, he bought me a drink, and uh, Amber was like, "I can't believe you let someone buy you a drink." Oh, I'm he like, turned to me and he was like, "What do you want?" And I was like, "I'm cool. Like, I'm not." Yeah, I'm not and I was like, anything. "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, he's not gonna roofie me, Amber." <laughs> no, I, I like uh, I like that she flagged that because in my head I didn't even think twice about it. I just turned yeah, it down without even like knee jerk reaction. Turned it down. I was like, "Nope, I'm good." Well, I was out of drink tickets, so I was. <laughs> um i think he was probably fine but it's just yeah it's just little little rules that that we have to go by but anyway we Um, finished out the scene it was a it was a really fun show um our our dad's jeep kind of had a little malfunction on the way to reno so 
hopefully that's all taken care of now. It was fine the rest of the way, but it was leaking uh, fluid, so that was a bummer. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I thought that was going to be more of a thing, but it wasn't. So we played, yeah, we played the Saint in Reno, went back to Tom's dad's uh, little house in Reno. And then the next day we went to like a casino and got like a pretty trashy brunch. Um, and waffles. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> With Budweiser's. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we drove, we did a tiny, tiny bit of slots and then we drove and lost like 30 bucks. And then we drove to, um, or I finally drove from Reno to Tahoe going 55 the whole way in the, well, in the slow the, lane. Not the whole way. <laughs> <laughs> I started off like at 70. Yeah, like, Jesus. Everyone's like, you got to slow down. I'm like, it feels so slow. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so we, and then we drove into Tahoe like right when the sun was setting. We're like driving around the lake. Oh, it yeah, was, that was so gorgeous. gorgeous. Yeah. I haven't been to Tahoe since I was like, this is not an exaggeration. I think since I was like 19. Yeah. Since I was underage. I remember going with like April and a group of people and I was, I was like 19 or 20. Yeah. Um, so I haven't been like as, as a real adult. So that was kind of fun. It's cool. I mean, I think it's more of an adult kind of town. Yeah. We, and we, we weren't there for very long. Like we rolled in around five or six. We kind of had to like get to the Airbnb, drop our shit off, order this really shitty kind of Chinese food that yeah, made everybody feel me. terrible. Killed me. Um, and then just go to the venue. And then we left at 10 in the morning. So we didn't really do, like I had some work buddies be like, you got to check out this brewery in Tahoe and you got to go here in Tahoe. And I was like, yeah, we'll have time for all that. And we just, we just didn't. At in the hindsight, end of the day. we should have, cause we got trapped in Tahoe going over. Uh, yeah. 50. We, we left at 10 a.m. and sat in, sat in like a parking lot of traffic on 50 for like five no no exaggeration about five hours so we could have just chilled um but we we had no way to know that and we were trying to get to our fourth gig but we made it to um, outbreak eventually like like two and a half hours after outbreak we were brewing to in play. placerville which should be uh as what's his name said on a sunny day in the summer tahoe to placerville would be like 50 minutes like 45 yeah. minutes and it, it took, took us, us almost up. six hours because of that like yeah. stopped because it was snowing on Saturday morning and it like kind of threw everything off. But, um, but yeah, Friday night was fun. We played, uh, sorry, this Saturday mo- night. Yeah. We played with local anthology again, uh, at a veterans hall type of situation. Those things, the, the power American in those places, Legion. I don't know what it is, why those places are wired differently, but maybe they're not wired for the power that like live bands, you know, demand. But my amp blew a fuse almost immediately yeah. from a, some kind of weird power surge. It felt like a, it was like a big, it felt like a house. Um, it was like a big wooden structure. It was two stories, what we put on the first floor. And it was like carpeted and like with wood walls and like a little bar, like about the size of like our Uncle Andy's bar and like a kitchen. And like, it just felt like a living room. There's a fireplace. Let's be clear. Our, our Uncle Andy doesn't own a bar. He has a bar in his house. Oh, <laughs> like, sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's, what, um, that's the size of this bar. It's you like know? a little bar in his like game room, basically. They're selling Paps Blue Ribbons for $2. They so were that selling was cool. me glasses of... Uh, wine for like four dollars because I would hand them a twenty, they give me sixteen back, and I'm like, ooh, like, oh, I, I thought you were I mean, Napa prices. What the fuck? I thought you were gonna say they gave me five glasses of wine. You're no. like, ah, <laughs> hand them three dollars. Like, they lined up five. They're like, here you go. Um, yeah, no, the power was real was spotty, really and you were getting electrocuted. Yeah, this is probably the first time I've been electrocuted before, but the first time in radio keys, mm-hmm. and it just felt like a little like beasting every time I got too close to the mic. So I put a, I put one of my gloves over the mic and I was still getting like this sensation in my teeth yeah. while I was seeing that my teeth were like, like, you know, when you go to the dentist and they drill your teeth, it felt like that, but like in little spurts. So it was well, really, un- fun. it was really uncomfortable. And I told the, I told the uh, bass player from local anthology, I was like, Hey man, like 
not trying to complain at all, but just to let you know, like that, that mic is definitely like, like surging and like kind of electrifying me. And he's like, he's like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, Oh, so you guys are used to it. All right, cool, cool. Um, but yeah, I can't do that. I had one time where I was on stage. It was the conquer. I was struggling hall. through that set. Yeah. And, but this one was so bad. It felt like getting punched in the face. Like it was, a, it was, yeah, that's, it sucked too. That's way more intense. That was back when we were young. We didn't really sound check, you know, like we yeah. just showed up and like turned everything to freaking 11 and like, it was so annoying. <laughs> So, like, we're playing our first song, you know, really getting into it, yeah. whatever. And then I go to the microphone, and it's just like, pop! And I remember just being, like, shocked. That's like, so literally scary. shocked and figuratively shocked. Like, oh, my God. Like, and then I was, happened? like, kind of, everything was, like, kind of black for a minute. Just like, oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, I remember it being a horrible show because I couldn't really get close to the mic. And, yeah, um, I kept feeling, not only could I not get close to the mic, but I had a, a literally a glove over my mic. So it already, I already couldn't really hear myself because like I couldn't get that like loud enough. And then if I'd get closer so I could hear myself, I'd electrocute myself. So it was like this constant little game of like, you know, going back and forth. And you and I both felt really shitty um, that night too. Yeah, we, the Chinese food we ate prior was messing with us. And I was like, yeah. I was like, I need to go lie down in the van. So I just, or in the Jeep rather. So I just like laid down in the Jeep for like an hour and yeah. ended up feeling okay but i like threw up in the venue that night after eating that stuff so it was like oh that probably make you feel better um yeah it was that was a rougher gig but it was really fun and then they local anthology played for like almost two hours and they did a lot of cool covers at the bunch end bunch of too. random covers for like a kind of reggae band well, it's they- like <laughs> You're like these. Not that it's bad. I think it's awesome that they're playing. Like they played "Wind Cries Mary." Oh, I, I made them do a Bob Dylan. They said their uh, drummer. Oh, what's his name? He was my favorite member. I can't remember his name now. Um, he was telling us outside. He's like, "Yeah, we cover some weird stuff. We cover Bob Dylan." And I was like, "You got to play it, man. Whatever you cover, they cover fucking Maggie's Farm, yeah. which is such a weird song. And they do this kind of like different version of it that I thought was really cool. So they did that yeah. from from because I requested it, and then they did Wind Cries Mary because you requested it. Sounded really it. good for the Wind Cries Mary. It did. Yeah, they did some other stuff too, and I can't remember now. So it was a fun show, but it was kind of one of those shows where it's like you don't know how it's gonna go because you show up and you're like, oh, this is like not really a venue. It it felt like kind of like a house party almost yeah like like people a- showed up it was it was in the middle of nowhere we were like this is not gonna get any foot traffic like, no and no in fact way. google said it was closed so i knew that was bad <laughs> well was like, also we couldn't google couldn't take us into the parking lot it kept taking us in this neighborhood and like it's i was like no one's gonna find this show this is such a weird show and like a bunch of their fans came out and i got some like positive feedback and made some like friends uh with yeah. their um, they have some kind of younger friends. All the girls I talked to were probably like in their early twenties, but they were all really nice and receptive and like, we really enjoyed it and stuff. So yeah, we definitely won them over for probably not being the kind of music they expected. We not reggae. Yeah. yeah not reggae. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, we're not a reggae band. Yeah. That so. should be our new thing. So. <laughs> but yeah, then we just wrapped up our local show at <clears throat> Vinny's and now we're going to take a few weeks off and I think we're going to try to write maybe a few new tunes. Cause just that'd, two be, that'd on be great. A, yeah. Do, <laughs> I've got, do that. I've got, um, yeah, like seven half-written songs, so I just need to focus on some same, of those. Same. Um, same, yeah. <laughs> um, I was coming up with some stuff last night. Um, but, uh, yeah, in two weeks, I think our next show is day after Valentine's Day at Jam Cellars, which, as if you heard our roundtable, we like we love that venue, so I think that'll be a yeah. lot of fun. And I think that'll be a great weekend for Napa. 
Valentine's nice. weekend. Yeah, I was oh. thinking about it, and I was like, "Ooh, that could be like a really good, uh, really good date." So yeah, people are definitely going out. Probably just getting off their dinner date. This is the day after Valentine's Day. It's so. Saturday, so Valentine's Day is on a Friday, and then it's Saturday. So I think people will come for the weekend and yeah. do like a Napa thing. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the Vinny's gig, I liked it a lot. Um, there were some things that kind of bummed me out. Like I think uh, there were a lot of other events happening especially within our local music community so obviously it wasn't as like big as i wanted it to be but i would i mean it's still it's always fun to play vinnies though because the crowd is really supportive we got to meet the gold souls and they're yeah, like really nice guys and, and gal mm-hmm. um so yeah that, that's pretty much the wrap on on radio keys update <laughs> there for now the radio keys update yeah we've got a lot of shows coming up but um i guess we can dive in we haven't done so the last time we did a rewind was the sid and nancy and the mark bolin thing um so we were trying to come up with something to talk about um and yeah and you came up with a you actually told me this story in reno and i'm not going to spoil it but <laughs> you told me the story about something crazy that, that happened on stage of. that our dad sent you. Yeah, dad emailed me this and he was like, have you heard about this? And we're like, no, we and absolutely haven't I was like, no, heard. I haven't. And um, it's kind of weird because uh, he sent me that email around the same time that, um, and I looked this guy up, David Olney passed away on uh, January 18, 2020. He's an Americana singer-songwriter. He passed away on stage. You probably saw... I saw something about it. I hadn't heard of him, but he's kind of... He's kind of like a songwriter, like Linda Ronstadt, uh, Emmylou Harris do his songs. Um, and so he was kind of like a an American treasure. An American <laughs> treasure. <laughs> but um, yeah, he was playing uh, in Florida at the Songwriters Festival in Santa Rosa Beach. And um, apparently he stopped in the middle of a song and paused, said, I'm sorry, put his chin to his chest and uh, passed away. How did he pass away? A heart attack? Heart attack. And then, uh, so Amy Rigby was on stage with him and she said he was very still. He was sitting upright with his guitar on, wearing the coolest hat, beautiful suede jacket. Um, At first he looked like he was just taking a moment. So I thought that was crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty insane that he didn't, like, fall off the stool or... He didn't fall, he didn't drop his guitar, it took everybody, like, a second to realize it, but I read that story, and then Dad had just sent me this other story that I'll tell in a bit. Um, I think you're up first this time. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you're up first, so, so yeah, the theme this week is uh, crazy things to happen on stage. Yeah. So... Um, I just went full on with a lot of onstage deaths. So I have one long, one, not long, but one bigger story to focus on that I've never heard of. And then I have like a couple more honorable mentions at the end that are really quick. Nice. Um, so Kathy Wayne is an Australian singer. Um, I, so I read this article by Burt Kearns and Jeff Abram. They wrote a book called the show won't go on the most shocking, bizarre and historic deaths of performers on stage. So there's a whole book about this about people um, dying on about stage. people dying on stage and it's like i looked at a wikipedia page and it's just it's a lot of like actors having heart attacks it's a lot of comedians um it's a couple murders it's just a bunch of weird stuff um but this one, one of the I'm, most famous well no i guess that wasn't a murder on stage i was gonna say that abe lincoln in the theater but then i realized i wasn't on stage but yeah you know near what, stage <laughs> yeah you know what they mentioned too um because they go back to like the 1600s if you go to this wikipedia page and they also mention a. Uh, the eight members of this like little uh orchestral thing on the titanic that like played as it sank all those guys were like mentioned in this as well as like dying on stage basically jesus and they did like it's in the movie remember how they're all playing as they're going down um and in real life i guess they were playing to try to calm people down as it was sinking 
Aww, Isn't that crazy? That's nice. It's sad. But also, for <laughs> sure, I'd be running toward the sun. Yeah, <laughs> I think, like well, those. I think a lot of people would just kind of give up hope, hope at that point. Yeah, I can't imagine being in that situation. It's just a long, like a prolonged, scary yeah. thing. It's like anyway. The, it's, like, <laughs> it's like the steamroller scene in Austin Powers what? where he's like, no! And he's like, just get out of the way. <laughs> just get out of the way. But, <laughs> but you can't get out of the way because you're on the Titanic. Um, so Kathy Wayne, um, she had a super short career, uh, in the sixties. Um, basically she was a little, I've, I've heard her be called a country singer, but I don't think so. I think she was just basically like a poppy, like almost like a dusty Springfield type of, um, of thing. Um, anyway, look her up at all on Spotify. Yeah. We, she's not on Spotify. You can find like two or three videos of her on YouTube. Um, if you want to play a little snippet of the sound, I'm sure that'd be fine. Um, so she's born, a. Pearl Harbor Day, December seventh. What's your name one more time? Kathy Wayne with a C. Kathy Wayne. Kathy Wayne. Um, so she was born, yeah, Pearl Harbor Day, nineteen forty nine, um, in Arncliffe, New South Wales, Australia, and she began singing and dancing. Oop, at oh, a young sorry, age. Yeah, I got a little. No, you I can play it when you when you're ready. This she's got her, a cute she looks little. Super young in this. She one. is. Yeah, she's she, like sixteen in these videos. She looks maybe younger than that she looks really young like kind of like a gymnast almost is like that yeah. kind of outfit you know like yeah and the hair <laughs> anyway here yeah is this he's got something yeah yeah i like this one yeah yeah it does have that like kind of girl group 60s leader vibe. of the pack yeah, for sure. Yeah, she's and amid all that. Yeah, I could see that, yeah. So, and I I think there's, you know, some of the reasons I haven't heard of her is, you know, she's Australian, um, so maybe it doesn't resonate in American, like, pop culture as much. Um, and also her career was so short um, because, because of this. Um, so, yeah, so she began singing and dancing at a young age, um, performing at her school, and then before she was 16, she was spotted by a talent scout and landed a gig as a dancer on TV on uh, this special called The Wonderful World of Leslie Ugams, I'm sure. Do talent Australians know who that is? ever not sound creepy? They like go to <laughs> high school and they're like, who's that 15-year-old? I You've want her got, on let, look, <laughs> dancing around. You definitely had I it, want babe. her. Oh, did I say babe? I mean, <laughs> No, there's definitely some cringy comments about her in here where they're like, she did like a sexy young doll thing going on and you're like, what? Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's, yeah, I watched like a little 10-minute doll on it i was just like jesus christ um so that led her to a steady gig dancing on another tv series uh opportunity knocks and then she won second prize in a talent competition and that led her to a regular role on the australian tv show bandstand which was kind of like just like american, dick clark's american yeah. bandstand yeah um so it was a live pop music variety program so like she, kathy would basically do like they, this is their words, Aussie soul versions of <laughs> songs like The Name Game and She Does You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. And then he's got something which you just played. Um, so she became kind of a regular on that. And how old was she when she was doing this? Uh, she's like 16, All right, so I yeah, think. she looks even younger than that. Yeah, in my opinion. she's she's a kid. Um, yeah. 16, 17. Young, young. Um, and then so the Bandstand family over the years include Cole Joy, Little Patty, Johnny Devlin, known as New Zealand's Elvis Presley. I have to look him up. Uh, Judy Stone, the Bee Gees, and Olivia oh, Newton-John. Yeah. Um, so she starts performing around Sydney clubs as a teenager, even though she's underage. Um, she records some jingles. Uh, and then she starts doing short 
tours just like we did like mini tours um opening for cole joy who's like an australian rock and roll guy i guess um gotta look him up too like all these guys it's so funny to me like because obviously people like like elvis and chuck berry like you know they're lifted up but there's like if you imagine all the people who must have sounded like that who heard elvis and then did that in australia they're all like i would say probably like 99.9 percent of those performers are like buried in history yeah and you've you maybe heard one of their songs if that even like i i was looking up a band that is about my story today yeah and uh, they were apparently a famous band back in the 60s. What are they called? Um, they're called Tommy and the Rivieras. <sighs> and uh, they were opening for um, what I was, the band I'm going to talk about later. Oh, and um, that's pretty big. And they have seven monthly listeners on, on like Spotify. Damn. And you're like, oh, just you compl- almost disappeared. <laughs> like, yeah. Because <laughs> now we have Spotify so you can upload this shit, you know. Right. But can you imagine in the... 70s and 80s and 90s when there wasn't anything like that yeah. you were just gone word of mouth and then you were disappeared if you weren't playing just you gone. weren't yeah you're yeah. not on the radio and you're not playing live anyway, sorry a little tangent no it's okay yeah. um yeah i was i was seeing them list all these people digby richards you know and i'm like cold joy all these people and i'm like who are they um so yeah she starts opening for headliner cold joy who's like a rock and roll performer um meanwhile the vietnam war is raging on this is around 1966 um, and then, so these tours opening for the cold joy guy lead to her first tour of South Vietnam at the age of 17. So this is early 1967. Sounds lit. So Kathy and a group of entertainers embark on a concert tour of military bases in South Vietnam. Um, the trip was an official government project sponsored by the Australian forces advisory committee on entertainment. Sounds legit. Um, she's still months away from being 18. So, uh, she has to get approval from her parents who are not, uh, super into it um but they eventually um Relented, give her permission yeah. yeah um so and she's really excited about it um so the performers aren't paid upright but they're given daily expenses and promised security um so they do that tour 1967 and it's totally legit and like successful and great do you know how long it was when um uh three months i think God, i that's said a long tour, yeah. um yeah something like something like that um and so they do that and everything's fine, right? So that's great. Um, and then two years later, they come home, everything's okay. In 1969, uh, she is sort of, her career's kind of waning. She's doing nightclubs, but her television career's kind of over. And I, some of the guys are talking about it in this little documentary and they're like, you know, she didn't have that like girlish, it's really creepy, um, like appeal anymore. And, you know, so she's like kind of trying to find her niche. Um because well, she's like, getting older, she's nineteen, well, and it's again, like what? Like, like <laughs> think about like back in the day, like you were talking about like the leader yeah. of the pack kind of thing. Right? Oh, they were all like, 14, 15, all, 16. Well, they're I, they're identifying with high school life basically yeah. back in the sixties, fifties, where it's like this this person is symbolic of everyone who is in high school. Yeah. So once you're not in high school anymore, like beyond the whole creepy thing, cause it's for sure a little creepy, but beyond <laughs> all that, like you're also yeah. not it's relevant. Like where do we put you? Yeah, yeah. You're not relevant to this high school crowd necessarily anymore. Right. So it kind of puts you so in this you weird go? limbo. It's, so, it's just so strange at 19 that it's like, she didn't, you know, where Over to the hill. know where to fit in. And it's uh-huh. like, what? Um, so she's 19, it's 1969. Um, so she's, yeah, she's playing nightclubs. Um, her television career is kind of over. Uh, so she has a piano player named Jimmy Taylor who has an idea. Um, this is a quote from him. I was working a club and Kathy was singing in the club. 
Uh, I said, we've only got to put a little bit of a show together and we can earn some money over in Vietnam. Uh, so we formed a band. We got loaded up with a couple of girl dancers. Uh, the show was really good. Everyone liked it. Kathy was a good looking girl. She looked like a little doll. All right, dude. Okay. Uh, he says, he <laughs> okay. says the Yanks loved her and she sang really great. So the Americans loved her. Um, somebody came up with a name that they thought the soldiers would go for, for the tour. Uh, Sweethearts on Parade, mm. which is an award song. I don't know if that's connected. Maybe it is. Um, Jimmy would handle the keyboards and the bass. They hired a guitarist, a comedian, and some go-go dancers. And then this guy named Clive Cavanaugh was their drummer, and he was Kathy's fiance. Oh. Um, so a promoter managed, uh, named Ingrid Hart managed the uh, tour and arranged the details of the Vietnam part. Uh, it was a planned three-month tour that was not sanctioned by the government. So remember, their first tour um, was sponsored. Um, and then this one is not. They're kind of piecing it together themselves, uh, which made it a little riskier. Um, and this time, you know, she's 19 already, so she doesn't need parental consent. But they both don't want her to go. Um, also, Cole Joy, who she's been touring with, says it's a bad idea and she shouldn't go. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so they all make a big push to dissuade her, but she wants to go. Um, Kathy says she wants to make a lot of money to get her recording career back on track. So that's her goal for the I mean, tour. yeah, but still, it's like... It's, it doesn't take a like a clairvoyant to see that it's not a good idea to like tour through war torn Vietnam. Well, see, I could see <laughs> without a government. I could sponsor. see that she's done it before, so she's like, "Oh, I know the drill. Like this will be fine." Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. So let's see. Uh. So she says she wants to make money so she can come back and record with that money. Um. But Ingrid Hart, the tour agent, said that she thinks that Kathy wanted to be there with uh with her boyfriend Clive because uh, they were going to get some money and uh, and use that to get married and kind of start their life yeah. together. So they're touring together. So she also probably feels kind of safer because he's there. Um, so June 1969, they set off um, on their on their three-month tour. Um, and then Sweethearts on Parade arrived at the United States Marine Corps 1st Reconnaissance Battalion Base. That's a lot of words and big <laughs> words in a row, sorry. Uh, four miles southeast of Da Nang on July 20th. That evening... They performed at a club for non-commissioned officers. This meant that the other enlisted men on the base, the, the like lower rank, uh, were not allowed to be among the 75 higher-ranked soldiers and staff member members. Uh, so there's a guy named Robert, Robert Stockham, um, who's in the documentary. He's one of the Marines that wasn't invited, and he remembers it, saying, uh, we'd known about Kathy Wayne's show, and everybody was really excited to see her. Uh, but a lot of us were upset because the show was just for staff and officers, and we'd had a really hard time. Um, living in tents, getting shelled almost every day. We, the, we were the ones, quote unquote, in the bush. So we felt that we deserved entertainment also. Um, he also remembers that night, the events before the show in the barracks. He says there were several people, they call it the hooch, in the hooch. And we were in there talking and drinking beer. And this guy named Sergeant James Killen, K-I-L-L-E-N is his last name. Sounds, uh, sounds bad. We referred to him as Pappy because he was so much older than everybody. He was 28 and the rest of us were 19 or 20. <laughs> um, he had heard that I had a 22 high standard automatic with a silencer. Uh, this was the type of pistol that we'd taken out on patrols with us to do prisoner snatches. Pappy asked me if I still had the gun because he wanted to use it. I asked him what he was going to do with it. He told me he was going to go down to the perimeter and shoot at some feral dogs hanging out at the perimeter. Sounds legit. Right? I just want to go shoot some dogs. Oh, okay. You need a yeah. silencer for that? Yeah, here you go. What the fuck? Um, so James Killen headed out with Stockham's gun and silencer. Uh, and not far away, the Sweethearts on Parade start performing. 
Around 9.15 p.m. inside the officer's club, Kathy Wayne, wearing a pink mini skirt, had finished a song and was introducing some of the other sweethearts when she stopped. So she's talking during this. And she stops and drops to the ground. Um, and then Jimmy Taylor, the piano player, uh, has a quote. Uh, we were halfway through the show and I was playing the organ and all of a sudden she fell down. And I thought she's got an electric shock from the microphone. It's funny. We were just talking oh, about man. that. Um, and weird. I thought, I thought, hang on. And I knew that I knew then that she'd been shot. Uh, of course I fell to pieces. Uh, this is a weird quote. I wiped all the beer off the top of the organ. There were about 12 cans of beer that went everywhere. And I said, my God, and I lost control. There were no lights on. Everyone was running around screaming and it was just awful. Nobody knew what had really happened. Um, so she, Kathy Wayne had been shot in the chest while on stage. Um, so blood started to kind of swell around her front uh, of her costume. Uh, they said she died basically instantly because uh, the bullet severed her, her aorta. And then this is sad. Clive Kavanaugh, the drummer, her fiance, yeah. climbs over the drum set as soon as she collapses um, and kind of grabs her, but she's already passed away. So what made the scene more chaotic was that nobody heard the shot because it was a silencer. So it just looked like she'd fallen down and started bleeding, which is crazy, um, at 19 years old. Um, so who shot Kathy Wayne? Uh, so the, an investigation revealed that the bullet was fired from behind a Jeep about 35 yards away from the club and had passed through the insect screen of an open window before entering the left side of her body and exiting the right side. And it, no, it was shot through a... From the so from outside the screen, tent. so I yeah. imagine you're in Vietnam, like a tent. Yeah, you have those mosquito tents or whatever. Yeah, and, and, and so it was from outside that, like. So it was somebody that wasn't in the audience, is okay. what that tells us, right? Um, it was from a 22 caliber pistol that was fired outside, equipped with a silencer. So obviously, the finger pointing goes straight to this James Killen guy who allegedly wanted to shoot the dogs, right? So. <laughs> gotta kill, gotta kill those stray dogs. Shoot the dogs, but I need a silencer. Like how None kill, of it makes sense. How crazy killer does that look? I need to shoot those dogs. You go over shoot there. some dogs, and everybody's like, "Cool, man." Here's, yeah, for sure. Here, here you, go. you go, buddy. Go crazy. They're all drinking or whatever. Um, he allegedly had been trying to kill his. Their, the, the idea behind his motive, if he had done it, was that he'd been trying to kill his commanding officer, Roger Simmons, who was inside the club, front row, watching Kathy Wayne. Mm. Right, and that he was a bad shot, so he missed probably because yeah, he's drunk. Shooting anyway, through a mosquito tent too. Yeah, and it's dark, and all these factors. Um, and then so Stockham, the guy who had the quote about the guy um, Killen coming in to borrow his gun, he says there were officers that were fragged in Vietnam. It wasn't um, basically it's not uncommon or unusual to want to kill your superior. He said if you're in combat and you blindly follow your leader and he's incompetent, something's got to give. You know, under yeah. all that pressure. Anyway. Um, so when he heard about um, Kathy's death in Vietnam, Coljoy remembered that he'd told her not to go there. Um, it's not a nice place. Um, and she didn't ever, and she never came home. Um, so James Killen was uh, court-martialed later that year for the killing of Kathy Wayne. From the start, he insists that he didn't do it and pleaded uh, not guilty. But uh, two corporals, including Stockham, the guy I quoted before, testified that on that night that Killen had entered and uh, demanded a weapon with ammunition, the twenty two with the uh, silencer. silencer. Yeah, and then another sergeant testified that Killen entered his room at a different time that night and pulled up his shirt to show off that gun and said, hey, look what I've got, um, pointing at the gun with the silencer. So three witnesses said that they saw him before she was shot with that gun. Uh, Killen admi testified, admitted to taking the 
pistol, claimed that he went out to shoot the dogs that had been running into the barbed wire on the base's perimeter, but didn't see any dogs to shoot. He then returned to the men's club where he drank 11 or 12 beers before going to bed around or leaving to go to bed around 930, which is around when sounds she was like shot. Sounds like a normal night in Concord. Really. 11 to 12 <laughs> beers. <laughs> and then I'm like, Killing dogs, 11 to 12 beers. So here's what I think. Totally did he normal. Did he do go to shoot the dogs, have a bunch of beer, and then go back to shoot this guy and then miss because he's like drunk? I don't know. There's a lot of scenarios that could have gone on. Um, the weapon was later found in a ditch. No fingerprints, no witnesses. Um, so James Killen is convicted of un- unpremeditated murder in the second degree. Um, so he so that's gets basically what he got convicted for is being a drunk idiot who's just like, oh, didn't mean to murder. Drunk, yeah. Kill. It wasn't premeditated. Yeah. Right. I've never heard that word though. Unpremeditated. Anyway. Um, so he gets a dishonorable discharge, uh, and then 20 years of hard labor. I don't know if that's like an Australian that's version prison. of prison. Yeah. yeah okay. Prison. Um, so he goes to prison and then in, a in year- Australia, he goes to prison because he's Aust- wait. Is it has to be America, he, right? He's, he's an American, American soldier. Um, I don't know, because all the guy, like the guy. So I watched the documentary. The guy, um, what's his name? Mark. What's his name? Um, the guy who did the documentary is. There- uh, he's in the documentary. He's Australian. He's got an accent. And I think at this time, let's see, uh, Australia had recently begun increasing its troop commitment alongside United okay. States forces. So there was, there was Australia. Uh, and the war was a constant presence in Sydney around this time. So, so yeah, I'm not sure with Killen. Um, anyway, he goes to prison and a year and a half later, the Navy Court of Military Review looks at the case, um, finds out the two corporals altered their testimony after an offer of immunity. Uh, Killen's verdict and sentence were set aside. He gets a new trial and is cleared of all charges, released after serving two Wait, years why? and nine days. Why? Why did he? Sorry, one more time. Why did he? <laughs> the Navy Corps. Okay, so they look at the case. They find out that the two corporals had altered their testimony after being offered immunity mm. from prosecution. Um, so he gets a new trial and he's cleared. So, so he so gets he, off on a technicality, exactly. basically. Yeah, so he serves two years and nine days in prison uh, total and gets out. Um so after this, it's kind of closed, um, but it becomes, I guess, an obsession for a drummer who played the Vietnam bass circuit with another band called Zanadu uh, named Don Morrison. So Don Morrison spends nine years investigating the case and under the pen name J.D. Owen writes a book called Murder on Stage about it. Um, and after his nine years of investigation and research, he concludes that Killen was innocent. And oh, wow. Morrison said he knows the soldier who pulled the trigger, but he doesn't have enough evidence to name him. So well, isn't that a mysterious like ending? Yeah. <laughs> um, he's like, buy my book. Uh, and then Kath, so Kathy Wayne was one of three, <laughs> three Australian women killed in Vietnam during the war. Uh, the other two, Lee Mack and Margaret Moses, uh, welfa- nurses, welfare right? workers who died in a plane crash. A These are Australian oh, okay. women. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so that's, that's the story of, uh, Kathy, Kathy Wayne, her short career. She, uh, it's just sad that she, I mean, it sounded like her career was waning somewhat, but mm-hmm. who knows what could have happened if she recorded the record. Cause she was mostly just TV appearances and live and touring. She was doing right? a lot of dancing and, and along you, with singing. Yeah. You said you couldn't find anything on Spotify. Like maybe no. she hadn't recorded anything. It doesn't seem like she does. All you can find is like those bandstand videos of her. Yeah. Um, and she's got a great voice uh, and she's right in the niche of like that late sixties, like kind of girl group style. I know I keep saying the leader of the pack, but that's the one that kind of, resonates the most um yeah. 
so yeah who knows it's it's just super tragic and just seems like a stupid fucking mistake yeah so that's why yeah so dad sent me that email and i was just like how have i never heard of this and i asked carrie who's lived in australia um she's been over there i want to say like five or six years because she's been over there for 10 years but she was in new zealand for the first half and now she's in australia and i asked if she'd ever heard of this singer and she said no it's not like a thing yeah, but i don't know if australians would know her or older australians would know yeah. her. um but yeah i just thought that was such a unique and strange thing i have a couple other on stage weird deaths i can briefly mention but we should probably move on to yours no you can you go ahead okay yeah we're fine all right um so one of the first ones i found was um country music star spade cooley oh, spade remember this piece of shit um no actually ha, uh you know who does a uh, episode on him what's that rock and roll uh podcast i don't want to shout him out anyway <laughs> um but this I guy like their story yeah this guy really is a piece of shit he beat his wife to death in front of their daughter oh yeah he's a piece of shit spade cooley um so he uh died from a heart attack backstage during the intermission of a concert in oakland california uh Oh, on, shit, in, in November Oakland. 1969. Yeah, in Oakland. I couldn't find the venue. Um, he was currently serving a life in prison for beating his wife to death in front of their daughter and played the show on a weekend furlough. Who goes to that show? <laughs> anyway, he was scheduled yeah. to be paroled three months later. Um, so he died backstage between shows. Um, in 1972, Les Harvey, lead guitarist of Glasgow rock band Stone the Crows, died after being electrocuted by his microphone. Oh, I got one. I got a good one. Ooh, I wonder if I have it. At Swanson's top ranked ballroom. No, What's keep yours? going. Keep going. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. No, no. Go, go, go. <laughs> Jazz musician Lee Morgan was murdered while performing at Slug Saloon in New York. Uh, was killed in the early hours of February 19th, 1972. Jazz club in New York City's East Village Slug Saloon, where his band was performing. Following an altercation between sets, Morgan's common law wife, Helen Moore, shot him as he was Fuck. on stage. I got All right, I got mine. Uh, okay, go for it. Dimebag Daryl. He was like a... That's my next a, one. Oh, shit. <laughs> nice. I got it. I knew you were going to say it because that's was, the one that... Uh, well, for some reason, I felt... Like, you know, sometimes you say the wrong thing like that pops You're in your like, head. I almost said Dirtbag Daryl. And, no, like, and I was like, oh, well, the, don't say that because now all the metal guitar yeah the pantera people yeah, will come for you yeah, Dimebag yeah so december 8th 2004 the rock band damage plan which was formed after the breakup of the popular metal band pantera by pantera's guitarist Dimebag daryl abbott took the stage at al rosa villa a club in columbus ohio a 20 ohio, uh, this is pretty short you can dig into this but i'll just do a short snip on it a 25 year old ex-marine named nathan gale snuck into the club with a gun and made his way onto stage onto the stage opened fire on abbott just 90 seconds into their set uh, Abbott 38 died that night and so did three other people concert goer Nathan Jeez. Bray band crew member Jeff Thompson and Al Rosa Villa employee Aaron Hulk Gail whose mother said he was discharged from the military due to mental health issues also died shot and killed by a police officer um, there's several theories about Gail's motivations floated none of them could be conclusively proven but I've seen the video oh shit that sounds dark sorry there's a video of like uh, I should have watched it today because I don't remember if it actually has the shooting, but it's like it's from the back of the stage, like behind the drum set. And there's kind of a video of the whole thing. And you sort of see the chaos afterwards. And anyway, it's kind of you could kind you of do a deep dive on that. On those kind of things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was in 2004. I remember when that happened. Yeah, I, I was in a, I'm not even a metal fan. I was a freshman in high school. Yeah. And I remember, yeah, my friends coming to school and being like, did you hear about Dimebag? Um, and then I have two other just weird ones uh, that I'll say really quick um, that I've never heard of. Indonesian singer Irma Buell died 
while performing in Karawang, Indonesia in 2016. The 29-year-old was handling a live cobra on stage that she'd used for years. During her second song, the snake bit her on the thigh. She didn't think much of it, assuming that someone had defanged or devenomed the cobra. No one had. 45 minutes later, uh, mid-show, she starts vomiting and seizing and is pronounced dead at the hospital. Jeez. I never... That's 2016. It's crazy. Um, For sure and then, don't carry a live cobra on stage, though. Yeah. Huh? And then in 2017, French singer Barbara Weldon's Star on the Rise, uh, has a freak accident on stage. Uh, so it's 2017. The 35-year-old singer had just released her first album, was performing at a church in the village of Goudron, France. According to eyewitnesses, she puts on a great show and she earns a standing ovation. And as she's soaking in the standing ovation, she suddenly lurches forward and f- falls to the ground. Um, electrical malfunctions were to blame uh, for why Weldon's heart Ooh, stopped. Crazy. Uh, yeah. Uh, so she was also electrocuted on stage. Ugh, that makes me so uncomfortable. Right? I'm yeah, sorry. There's been, two of those. No, Less Harvey and then her. Yeah, electrocuted, electrocuted on stage. So it's like, oh, like just a little bit more wattage, and you're fucked. You're yeah. fried. You know. That's. They said that she was barefoot on stage, which, which they're trying to blame for her being electrocuted, but that doesn't make sense Some to me. Serious victim blaming. <laughs> yeah, they're like, well, she was barefoot, and it's like, wait, what? How does that? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so so that's some of my. Uh, so the question is that how, is that how you would like to go out on stage? No, in the middle of no, sweet soul music. That's not like, how I want to go out. Like a lot of these, like <laughs> r- like uh, the articles I read are like, well, they went out doing what they loved, and I'm like, I guess like the the first guy we talked about, David Olney. Um, you know, it's like okay, he was seventy, what seventy two, and so it's like he died doing what he loved at like an appro- a little more of an appropriate and age. And it was also kind of like, like 19, like nat- Kathy quote, Wayne. Natural like, causes na- Again, natural causes yeah. as opposed to like these like basically freak accident murder kind of thing that's happening on stage. Um, but yeah, I, if you haven't heard about Kathy Wayne, like it's uh hopefully we can spread the word on that kind of horrifying short lived career a little more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Poor thing. Yeah. So, so, um, but yeah, check out her YouTube page for sure. Or not page, but her YouTube <laughs> videos. You get a sense of who she was and what she was. Yeah, and she's a little blonde. She, yeah. um, yeah, it's it's just really, yeah, resonated with me. It's close to home. But um, well, I think Dad in the email said too. He's like, could have been you or something weird. And I was like, what? Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Um, he's like, he's like, this is such a tragic little story, you know. And it's it's just it's it's just bizarre. And and the fact that she was yeah in a in a war zone and it's like one of the soldiers probably is the one who shot it. It's just a strange... It was slightly off stage, but I remember there was a local musician here and I can't recall his name um, off the top of my head. And, you know, this podcast. So we do some research on the stories. We're not looking at computers. We're just talking. And and, uh, he was in a band called the Lucky Egypts, I remember. Maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong, but he was shot and killed in Oakland from a stray bullet... um, while he was loading gear. So oh, I remember that. that one hit me close to home because I'm like, I think it could have been any one of those Oakland venues, you know, like oh, the it Uptown, was, um, Stork Clubs. It was the like, one we've had trouble, the Lion or Gold Lion. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, fuck, I can't remember. The Golden Bowl. Golden Bowl, right? Maybe. Okay. It, it, that sounds about right. I mean, yeah. this is the type this of venue. This like five years ago. But yeah, it hit me close to home because I'm like, we load in gear and load out gear every single day. And sometimes it's in the not nicest parts of town. You Oakland know, or San Francisco. Yeah. You absolutely. never know. You just never that's know. That's like kind of downtown Oakland too. That's not even like, yeah. that, that shouldn't be sort of this war zone area, but that was never solved. 
No, no. Which is so, yeah. Yeah, it's just a sad, sad thing for our local scene for that to have happened. I remember that really yeah. well, yeah. Anyway, let's take a little quick break. I want to sure. get some water and then we'll come back. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much again for listening. If you've enjoyed it, please remember to subscribe and lend us a five-star review on iTunes. You can find all of our tour and our music and links back to the podcast, to Spotify, on our website, radiokeysmusic.com. All right, thanks again. And now back to the show. All right. All right. We're back. I'm excited for your... Uh your story. Mine's little, definitely little short. Yeah, mine's only shorter, <laughs> a little lighter, still still funny. But um, mine is going to be about Jim Morrison being arrested while on stage, which, yeah, is much lighter than <laughs> actually. <laughs> Just still not super light. I mean, it's still like we, I guess we always get kind of drawn to like the true crime side of rock and roll history because <laughs> yeah. we're both true crime fanatics so. what i remember like also growing up in like uh the late 90s early 2000s when like vh1 and mtv were doing all those like behind the music and like the 50 darkest yeah. moments of rock and roll and like watching yeah. all that shit and like woodstock 99 and like bjork ripping up the pope on stage like all those moments and like kind of getting a little informal education on all that shit as like a 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 year old. And I think, yeah, I think it's just interesting to, you know, it's such a weird, like, cause these people are clearly doing this crazy shit on stage, like tearing up the picture of the Pope, you know, Oh yeah. because they want to, they want to like spark a, just a, a certain percentage of outrage. So then they get more clicks. I mean, back then it wasn't clicks. It was, you know, whatever it is like, more Maybe, political, yeah. yeah, whatever you want to call it. People, they want to, you know, incite this kind of outrage, but only just so much outrage that people still accept them, but they're also, you know, getting those clicks. And then you have something like what Ari Shafir did about Kobe Bryant, where oh, he yes. just goes way too far. And you way can't even say too, too far. far. It was just tasteless and idiotic, but it's really like, tasteless. There's, there's like that fine line between being tasteless and idiotic and then ripping up a picture of the Pope where some people are like, yeah, fuck the Pope or whatever. And then the and then other half are like, canceled. what the heck? Yeah. It's <laughs> and like, SNL's like, oh shit. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh no. Can you imagine? It's live, you know, live television. You're anyway. just like, damn it. But anyway, um, so yeah, Jim Morrison, uh, it was actually kind of starts the day before. It was December 8th, 1967. I've never heard the story, so I'm actually excited. Oh, too. nice. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not as long as yours. It's a little bit shorter. It's just yeah, one yeah. night, you know? So um, basically what happened is the Doors, you know, they're in Venice Beach, Santa Monica. He was at UCLA, poet. He meets Ray Manzarek, who's a, who's a organist. Yeah. And um, I think he was in like, jazz bands and stuff like that probably, probably with his style yeah but they're both i'm i think they're both in like film program or something yeah, like that, that i mean right. i'm i'm really uh, this is not part of my research i'm like I'm remembering just the memory, val kilmer yeah. movie i'm like yeah that sounds right <laughs> You're like i remember them both shirtless <laughs> walking on the beach on the, yeah. <laughs> talking about yeah so yeah. basically what happens is jim is writing all the songs and they're playing at the whiskey a go-go Oh, and shit. Um, they're playing at the Whiskey A Go-Go like every night almost. And they're the house band there. But they only have like five songs. So <laughs> 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 How do you do that? Are they they just, <laughs> just play them over and over again. And what? then they play each one for like 30 minutes. So that's why the Doors, you know how they're super solos. famous for like these long breaks. And then they'll just kind of 
break everything down and build it all back up and break it down and build it all back up and Jim's oh, like man. fucking like doing this improv poetry over oh, it no. and it's like <laughs> that's the vibe of the doors right oh, wow. that's yeah. what they are and then Jim's like they're like we got to write more songs we need to get this debut record out so we're not just playing the whiskey go-go and like tanning on the beach or whatever you know <laughs> they, we need to do something more and get you know because that back in the day that's how you got that's how you got out there radio stations played your records and then you booked a million gigs and that was it yeah so god, it sounds so easy I know, right? <laughs> god we'd be so famous <laughs> yeah so they you know they're telling jim to write more songs he's like why don't you guys write some songs and uh robbie krieger is you know the guitarist yeah and he says well what do you write about and jim's like just write about something universal that you know is timeless that everyone can oh no understand. big deal okay just do it and Robbie's like, okay, okay. So he thinks about things that are universal and timeless. Oh, and he's no. like, earth, wind, fire, water. That's <laughs> what he thinks of. Earth, wind, fire, water. It oh, sounds no. like fucking Captain Planet, you know? <laughs> and of course, it's heart. all astrology signs. <laughs> so, okay. So he decides to pick fire as like his muse. Like, I'm going to write about fire. So he ends oh, up writing, come on, baby, light my fire. Dun, 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 dun. Come on, baby, light my fire. So yeah, that great song hook, yeah. blows up. And this is 67. So they go from being like this relatively unknown 60s, you know, just House another band. band in Los yeah. Angeles playing at the the Whiskey A Go-Go. I'm pretty sure it's Whiskey A Go-Go. Someone might be screaming at their podcast device it. right now. but oh, Whatever. And... um. <laughs> They just blow up overnight almost, and they start touring the country all over the place. So about 12 months later, 11 months later, it's December 8th. Uh, it's Jim Morrison's birthday, and um, they have a gig in uh, Troy, New York, so upstate New York. Yeah, They're all staying in the city. Um, I think I think the band ends up like taking a short flight there, but Jim misses the flight, so he ends up taking a uh, limo all the way up. Oh shit! And uh, which could be pretty far, as we know. Yeah, so <laughs> I think it's like 150 miles or something like that. Okay. So three hours, sure. about maybe two hours. Yeah. And um, uh, apparently the show goes terribly in Troy. Um, they're not like booed off the stage or anything, but it's it goes so poorly that apparently no one like the crowd is just sitting there in silence the whole time. Oh, that's the worst crowd. I'd rather be booed than just have silence after you finish. Yeah. So it's like that's almost worse. That's like the starry <gasps> plow. <laughs> just silence. Oh man, it's like <laughs> <laughs> that. That our. I mean, we've had plenty of critics over the years, but. Not really. I mean, we haven't been like heavily booed while on stage, so that's good. Now we've had kind of silence after ending playing, but I yelled at a carny and got yelled at on stage. We got yelled at by that <laughs> bum and slow on stage. Oh yeah. I got told to never sing like that again from the old guy at the old folks home. Oh fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they're not doing it. <laughs> yeah. So Haters. They, they play Troy. It sucks. And apparently Jim. Do you Morrison, think he's just wasted? Uh, I mean, it's possible. He's been in a limo for oh, like if I was three, in a limo hours, for three hours. I'm sure he's just drinking back there and like. Yeah, apparently he was really depressed after the show. Aww. Which I mean, we've all been there. You play a shitty show or whatever, and you like are just like, "Wow, I'm the worst thing to ever happen to yeah. music." You know? Oh yeah. Like all this is fake. Like 
that's what you think. You think you're like a complete sham, like a charlatan. Oh, you're yeah. like, oh, this this is Imposter. really what I am, and they finally realized it. It's Imposter like, syndrome. Yeah. I feel that all every show we play, basically, I'm just like, what? So he's so depressed, he doesn't want to go back with the with the band. So he again takes the limo. By I think himself. he likes the limo. I think he's into it. I think he's partying in the limo by all himself. the way back to New York City. Yeah. So that's his birthday. Keep that in mind. This is his birthday. Oh, like, his birthday. Yeah. So the next day rolls around. I think there's still some kind of lingering resentment and anger with him. Right. Yeah. So they play, I think it was a new Haven arena um, in Connecticut, which as if you know anything about our geography, Connecticut is very close to New right, York City. Right. It's like an hour drive. Yeah, or we used to, our um, uncle, we used to visit Uncle Carl, lived in Connecticut and we would take the train into the city. And he, apparently and he did the quick. same thing every day before For work. work. Yeah, yeah, it was really quick. So not that far away. Um, the New Haven Arena in New Haven, Connecticut. And uh, the, kind of a weird coincidence about getting arrested on stage and this whole thing. It's like yeah. the, <laughs> the New Haven, Connecticut is now an FBI building, which is kind of <laughs> weird. But How did a it, venue turn into a... It's just not a... Yeah, it just shut so down. Weird. It was like an ice hockey rink. Whoa. Um, so it's, it's pretty huge. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a big spot. Now it's just this, you know, that typical really sad looking brick building where wow. you imagine everything just looks, you know, <laughs> super sad in there. Aww. Anyway... So now it's December 9th, 1967. And um, I think Jim Morrison's probably has some pent up aggression, angry. He ends up uh, meeting this brunette lady. She's a student at a, where was it? Southern Connecticut State College. She's 18 years old and no one knew who she was. Interesting story about this is no one knew who this, this brunette he was with was at all. They just called her, uh, the brunette and then <laughs> in the police report her name was spelled wrong so oh. it was a, not even a real person you know like she might have just given the cops a fake name no they spelled it wrong oh she <laughs> gave him a real that. name and they spelled it wrong okay yeah. <laughs> I was thinking so, I that's mean, probably what I would do think but. about any time you've ever like we, I mean, we're the radio keys, right? Like everyone, the like yeah, radio everyone put keys. radio, the radio <laughs> Please keys. Please don't spell it that way. <laughs> and you know, someone who just put a video of us, <laughs> like spells all our song names wrong, and like uh. says I play piano. Like it just goes to show, like there's not very much attention to detail generally mm -hmm. in this world. I think. And we have the internet, and people are still fucking it up. Yeah. So yeah. So this is like a cop gets a name what's your name okay and then just writes it down like no how Probably do you spell that, that much. Like, just, <laughs> whatever um so yeah he's with this you know 18 year old fan uh you know by all accounts good looking young lady mm -hmm. and uh they get to talking and he invites her backstage and i think it's like a big circle and he's never been there before like this this arena yeah so he goes through all these doors just trying to find some privacy you know <laughs> so he ends up going to this dressing room. That's not the door's dressing room. It's, a, it's the other band's dressing room, but he doesn't know that. Uh-oh. And goes into the shower. So now this is when the other band's guitarist comes in uh -oh. and and sees Jim Morrison in the shower with this young lady. They're not naked. They're just making out. Like nothing crazy. Weird. Yeah, they're just making out. <laughs> and uh, these guys are... I I cannot support these guys, man. They're called the uh, they're called Tommy and the Rivieras. Um, they sound like picture like the same kind of like organ sound as the Doors, but not as carnivaly. More just like 
Oregon forward. Okay. And then they have like horns that sound like they're just straight up hijacks from Otis Redding Red, uh, Records. Is, do they have like a big song that we would know or no? No. They right. Because they have seven listeners. fucking so, <laughs> Okay. So they're like, <laughs> this guy is such a dork. He was on this like, he was on this uh, news interview I was watching. He was like, and he's so one-sided too, making it sound like Jim is like the biggest piece of shit ever. But he's really the only witness other than the Sandy uh, Spodnik, and she refuses to talk to anyone about it. So she's what? like the only other perspective in the room other than Jim and this Tommy, what's his name? Oh, so uh, he's the main guy. He's Thomas Tommy Jeanette. of Tommy in the yeah, premiere. Tom okay. and, and they're like, well, we just got new costumes delivered. And they're those super dorky ones. They look like male ballet dancers. You know, those oh, like no. those Paul Revere ones with like Sequins, the ruffly shiny. feathers oh, and like all no. that kind of stuff. <laughs> like an ice skater? Yeah, like, like an ice skater. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. he's like, we didn't have any pockets. So all of our stuff was in the dressing room. And there was a stranger here. And we didn't know what was going on. So we wanted um, him out of our locker room or of our dressing I, room. I get all that. I get that. If they didn't know who he was, too. I get that. You're opening for the doors. What did you think but was going to happen? Not, yeah. Did you not see what the doors on the poster looked like? Like for me, it's like we're opening up for freaking. Let's say we're opening up for you two, and Bono's in our dressing room, and we're like, but oh, that big? oh shit, we gotta <laughs> we gotta call the cops. You know, like look at see who you're opening for. Like do yeah. a, do the tiniest bit. Of, look at the poster. Like do anything. I was gonna say because they can't like get on the internet. So unless they're looking at like an album cover. I don't know. I, I guess they should have known who he was. Anyway, but I, we've played shows with people where I, I couldn't have picked him out of a lineup. This total so. narc, Thomas Jeanette. Who, <laughs> and it's funny because he's literally became a narc because he worked for the Narcotic Enforcement Officers Association. Like oh, and his he, music career yeah, didn't work he out? Like, he's like, who do uh, I... <laughs> I'm really good at being a narc. So <laughs> he I decided, feel connected to? <laughs> so he... Um, he tells his guitar player to kick him out, I guess. Or oh, no, so the he, guitar player comes to him and tells him to kick Jim out. And instead of telling Jim to get out of there, which apparently the guitar player said, "Get out! Who the hell are you?" And Jim was like, "Go fuck yourself!" Like, uh, yeah, you know, well, Jim you, Morrison's Jim Morrison. Yeah, like, he's gonna do Jim Morrison shit. Um, so the cop comes in, and he doesn't recognize Jim either. The guy that he is literally hired to protect. Like, that's the only reason why cops are there, are to protect the doors. <laughs> he didn't look at the poster either. Didn't look at the poster. No one's looking at the Getting poster. paid overtime. <laughs> playing a rock. Or you're, you know, I mean, being a police officer at like a big football game or like a big concert, that's got to be just like. It's a lot of dealing with drunk assholes, I think. But that's got to be the best part about being a cop right not the best part but <laughs> one of the better parts like you get these gigs where you're getting paid overtime and you're like going to a rock concert and you're like oh i get what you mean as long as nothing yeah. crazy happens i'm just chilling here and yeah. watching you know the doors play yeah excuse me so basically the cop comes in and he's like get out of here you hippies you know like that kind of vibe yeah and uh jim you know he's a poet eloquent uh, he's like, eat me. He's <laughs> like, eat me. And then, uh, so the cop, you know, now his uh, machismo is in question. He's pissed. He's oh, like, how God. dare you? So he takes out his can of mace and he's like, 
Oh, no. Last chance, pal. And <laughs> so Jim, by all accounts, goes, last chance to eat me, pal. Oh, no. <laughs> and then Jim. he gets maced in the yeah. face. Well, yeah, that's going to happen. What about the girl? Does she get I'm maced? I'm sure she was in proximity. She, she gets yeah, maced in the she face. she probably does. So Aww. I just picture Jim like, ah, like, you know, <laughs> screaming, and writhing I around on the ground. little leather pants. Yeah. There's a lot of reports that he was like, then like beat up by like a bunch of cops, but I don't think there's any evidence for that. Like mm. you see his, his mug shot, you see him, you know, performing later mm. and, uh, there's like no damage yeah, to him at like, all. So yeah. I, I think that's kind of bullshit. They might've been rough with him. I'm sure they were, but yeah. 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 So at this point he makes his way, like they, at some point they realize who he is. They don't oh. kick him out of the arena. They realize Oof. who he is and they bring him to, to his own. I wonder if they have a moment, moment of like, Oh shit. <laughs> we fucked up. Well, that's what happened. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, their nice manager, Ray Manzarek, they're all pissed. They're yeah. like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah. this is the one guy that you're supposed to protect. Like he wasn't doing, I mean, like he was making out with some chick, but really what was the crime here? Mm. You know, like maybe he talked back to a cop. But yeah, he was in the, wrong, in the wrong place. Dressing so, room. Yeah. But also, these guys should probably know who he is because the only reason they're playing in an arena is because of this band yeah. that you're playing with. So, um, Tommy and the Rivieras go on stage at mm-hmm. this point, and Jim Morrison is, you know, all kinds of fucked up. He's maced, so he's leaking out of every, you know, orifice in his face just <laughs> just dying oh, I, I mean i've I never been maced go but, on yeah after that but because your sinuses are all fucked yeah and as a singer to, it's like how do you they're trying to clean him up and uh, the cops are like we're gonna arrest him but we don't want to incite a riot so we're gonna let him perform and then we'll arrest him afterwards and um i'm trying to find the charge here it's really it annoying <laughs> um the charge would be breach of peace and resi- resisting arrest mm, um would yeah. was the the charge after the fact so i think probably just resisting arrest would have been the charge because he didn't resist at all on stage like there's a video of it but um they keep going to tommy and the rivieres and then they're like stretch it stretch it like trying to get him to play longer you know stretch it like that's what they the promoter keeps doing from the side of the stage yeah so poor you know oh because jim morrison's like recovering thomas Jeanette and the the narcs are up on stage and they're uh, in their Paul Revere costumes, you Looking know. Fucking ridiculous. They're doing yeah. the same shit the Doors were doing at the Whiskey a Go Go. They're like playing their solo. Yeah. And then another solo. Yeah. But yeah, they just sound like a typical, typical 60s band. A little yeah. bit soul influenced. Um, well, they kind of like Otis horns in there. Picture like Tommy James and the Shondells with oh, Otis Redding horns. I see. I mean, that sounds pretty dope. And then now picture that all turned down 30 percent and being Maybe a little kinda, dorkier like yeah. a little more herman's hermits dork. like the lyrics aren't <laughs> groundbreaking at all like, yeah there's yeah anyway i gotta check them out now we'd be their eighth monthly listener so they would really Aww. appreciate that <laughs> anyway i'm being hard on this guy but i still think it's super lame like you're a rock star you're it'd be like if we were opening up for you know anyone and we called the cops on them it's like so ridiculous yeah like anyway so the young lady, she's gone. Jim's dying in the lo- in the dressing room. <laughs> um, he's pissed, obviously, the day after his birthday. Not only did he just, you know, get Play rejected. Play shitty Troy show. Get rejected by all of Troy. <laughs> the, the town of Troy. <laughs> Who knows, big or small, I don't know. 
finally he's ready to go. So they, you know, drag Tommy and the Rivieras off the stage. The doors get on. They play a few songs and then they start playing Backdoor Man. And they're just doing that vamp because that's what the doors are. They, they, that's what they do. Yeah, you know? they, they do the vamp. Morrison reads some poetry. That's like their shtick. Yeah. They follow Jim. Like Jim yeah. is like the improv master and they're so good at their instruments and communicating with each other. And they've, I mean, they've done this for thousands of hours in LA. Yeah. So they're, they're all locked in. So instead of doing his normal gym stuff where he starts talking about poetry, he starts Uh-oh. talking about a little story that happened to him backstage. <laughs> so he's like, you know, going into, he's like going into how he was with a young lady, like all this stuff. And then he, uh, he starts going on. I'm just like you guys, man. They do it to me. They'll do it to you and oh, stuff like no. that. Trying to do what the cops don't want, which is inside a riot. Yeah. And then he's like, there's yeah. a little blue man with a little blue hat, oh, no. a little blue pig is what he says. <laughs> and then at this point, all the cops are like facing the audience. Roll, yeah. You know, they're facing the audience, trying to keep the peace or whatever, prevent people from running on stage. They slowly all start turning around and now they're all looking at Jim. Yeah. And they're all fucking pissed. And uh, at this point, um, uh, I forgot the name of the officer. I forgot to write it down. It's like something super basic. It feels like it's like a fake TV show. It's like Officer Kelly or something yeah. like that. You know, he like comes out on stage and uh, and Jim, he ends up pointing the microphone at him and, you know, asking him what's up. And then they just grab him right there and arrest him, throw, throw cuffs on him. On stage, yeah. Take him off stage and uh, arrest him with a charge of breach of peace, uh, resisting arrest, and performing an indecent and immoral exhibition with a $7,500 bond, which... Mm, it seems like f- could fall under free speech. Yeah, I mean... If what, that happened today, it would be Again, what's the line nuts. of being too far? Like, yeah. It's tearing up a picture of the Pope. In, you know what is it indecent and immoral exhibition like what what is that you can really go anywhere with that so $7,500 bond which apparently he had in his wallet and he just paid right there <laughs> must have been the fattest dad wallet of all time Not I was sure. like Jesus yeah seven. I mean that's really seven bills if he has hundreds I guess but yeah well, yeah that's and to be n- clear well, no that would be 70 bills se- uh how much 700 7,500 so oh sorry yeah I think he said 700, which seemed yeah, really low. Um, and to be clear, um, he gets what? Inde- what's the last thing that he gets? Inde- um, resisting arrest, performing an indecent and immoral exhibition. But this is not the concert where no, he... No. Okay. I just If someone's listening and they're like, oh, is this the same concert where he like exposes himself? Not the same concert. No, not okay, the same just to concert. Be clear, just to be clear. And um, the official complainant is our friend, super duper snitch, Thomas Jeanette. <laughs> <laughs> so so that means after the arrest he was the one who was like you know putting his name down for it basically mm-hmm. so that's kind of a bummer for him poor tommy and the rivieres are wow. forever tarnished um and i don't i couldn't find any evidence that he was actually convicted of these crimes so i didn't see anything Jim Morrison, about that. no I, I think if you I can't Google, find it like it means i googled he wasn't. it a bunch i couldn't find no, anything he wasn't but for in all intents and purposes for what we know, what we're, as far as we're concerned as, you know, a culture, as a community, it's the first time in the history of entertainment that, or at least rock and roll entertainment, that a rock star 
or a performer was arrested during a performance on stage. Was First of many times, yeah. I think. Yeah. He wasn't arrested on stage again, I don't think. He might have been in the Miami incident, but I think th- I'm pretty sure they issued a warrant for his arrest afterward in the Miami incident. Okay. Because I, I watched a video about it and they're like, we're having trouble issuing the warrants because of the f- we have not obtained the footage of the concert, like all this thing, but... Basically, I think it was in 1969, maybe 1970. Uh, another famous one is Jim Morrison apparently, uh, you know, whipped it out on stage. <laughs> it had to be before 71 because he died in 71? Yeah, 71? he died in 71. Okay. Yeah. And he was actually convicted of one of those charges and sentenced to six months of hard labor. And he was wow. appealing it. So when he died, he was still in the appeal process. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's that'll be another story. Yeah, that, that, uh... but yeah, I mean, it's kind of a shorter story. But some of the thing, yeah, he, <laughs> apparently he was pretty drunk, and one of the things he said was, uh, "The whole fucking world hates me," so that's why I think it has to do with Troy, the city. <laughs> <laughs> Like not having a good time. Me. The whole fucking world hates All me. Of Troy Apparently, hates that was me. one of the things he said during his <laughs> no. his like tirades on stage. Oh no! But yeah, that was uh, the story of the first performer to get arrested, arrested while on stage. And there are a few. I have some few notable ones that yeah, yeah, I yeah. brought them to. I thought so that was interesting. Yeah, there's the one was actually uh, when I recently. was going to uh, UC Santa Barbara. So not that recently, <laughs> dating myself a little bit. Um, Mac DeMarco was arrested. Um, on stage after he was crowd surfing and then he tried to climb and then he was climbing up the pillars um what venue does it say um this was like there's a little the university center there's like a little venue it's like a picture like a food court in a mall oh weird it's like that but instead of like a bunch of tables in the middle of the food court there's like a stage and like some tables and like you could easily host a concert in there so mac demarco was in there and he was arrested for um, climbing it's a weird reason to be arrested at a show you think they just like get him down and be like hey dude stop doing that yeah well apparently they tried <laughs> to get him to stop doing a lot of stuff and he wasn't going to do it so mac demarco um jim morrison obviously gg allen um, was another one um he was arrested 52 times for indecent exposure assault yeah. and battery and endangering the lives of his audience holy shit so that was a good one Marilyn Manson another shock I mean this is like <laughs> a one of the like Gigi Allen and Marilyn Manson are both those kind of shocking performers you oh, know yeah, so like, they're always yeah. towing the line them. of what's too much um, and apparently he was rubbing his <laughs> crotch on a man's head in 2001 um so, yeah, he paid a $4,000 fine. Oh, Bobby Brown. <laughs> and uh, Bobby Brown, yep. After uh, he was regularly booked for simulating sex on stage with audience members. Ooh. <laughs> that sounds intense. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but, yeah, he also obviously is... Uh, has been, you know, linked to a lot of crime before. I don't know who this Wendy O. Williams is, punk singer. but a punk singer, obscenity charge for allegedly simulating a sexual act with a sledgehammer. Whoa. Sounds not even that bad I was compared say, to like yeah. a Madonna tour. Like even the Super Bowl performance last year, like there were some. <laughs> I mean, sorry, this it? last Super Bowl yesterday. Oh, J Lo and uh, <laughs> yeah. Shakira. What? I didn't watch it. Is it? Oh, There's a lot it. of memes about it. Let's just put I've it that way. I've seen the stripper pool thing, but I thought that was like a 
callback to like her There's just thing. let's just say there was a very thin piece of clothing in front of the oh. in front of the important parts. Okay, I'll check. And this she out. does like a whole stage slide, like the camera's like right here. J Lo or Shakira? J Lo. Oh, okay, I gotta watch that. Yeah. Fun. It was intense. Um, we were definitely laughing about it. Oh no. <laughs> I've heard good reviews about it, but it's funny that people review it so well because we were all watching it and we thought it was hilarious. We thought it was like kind of tough and we we're like, ooh. Uh, but apparently it was a lot of people liked it, so good I for think them. it was all their like career songs that they went through, yeah. so it was kind of like a celebration. Yeah, they played Cashmere for a hot second by Led Zeppelin. And then it was just over in two seconds. I'm like, damn it, I thought they were really going to do a Led Zeppelin song, but it was just like uh, a tiny little space between two songs, you know? I was going to say the one that I thought of was Axl Rose. Yeah, here's Axl Rose right asshole. here. <laughs> well, this one was crazy because he was pissed that some guy was trying to film him on stage. So yeah, but he was pissed that security wasn't doing anything. He's like, that guy right there. Um, and then he ended up jumping into the audience. There's actually a pretty intense video of him jumping I've into seen the it. audience. Yeah, because this guy's um, in the, like the front row and he starts punching this fan. It's just a fan with a camera. Like, yeah, and then know, it seems super extra. Yeah, he ended up being charged with inciting that. Um, old Dirty Bastard, one of my favorite rappers. Shimmy, shimmy, y'all, shimmy, get yes. for? Um, he uh, became... And by the way, I'm going <laughs> to shout out this website. We're getting this from NME.com. So just wanted to say that we're not like totally making this up on our own. Um, for <laughs> he was ejected for being drunk, disorderly and annoying other patrons. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And that's just in the And venue. then he okay. said he was going to return with his homies and kill them. So oh. there's that. Okay. Madonna, of course. We were just talking about mm. the, the shocking. Warned um, by police. So apparently she was simulating masturbation on stage. <laughs> who cares? Yeah, who cares <laughs> shit? Get over it. That's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> They're like, none of that. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> so it doesn't say here that she was all, she was actually arrested. She was warned by police that she would be arrested mm. if she would continue to do that. Oh, okay. So she wasn't and uh she, yeah so that's not really too too tough i don't know these guys hmm. um so animals as leaders never heard of them uh guitarist javier reyes and dustin bordeaux were arrested by boston police in 2012 um, yeah uh following a show though there's a lot of apparently differing eyewitness accounts, but there is some kind of almighty fracas quote from enemy, um, <laughs> which led to the band missing shows that week. Ooh, I want to get into an almighty fracas on stage. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> I'm surprised we haven't seen a, who are the brothers? Uh, Oasis guys, but they didn't get in physical altercations on stage, right? They just got into like stupid fights where they would walk off and stuff. Yeah. And then, yeah. so, there is a uh, one hit wonder Stevie B don't know him. Um, but he was arrested for, uh, um, not paying child support. So. <gasps> $420,000. Yeah. Yeah. I love how this has to be like a British, uh, a news source because it's the scallywag was arrested. Yeah, there's a well, lot of there's a lot of those words isms. like scallywag. <laughs> scallywag. Anyway, so that's pretty much it. Um, st so yeah, Jim Morrison, was no uh, stranger to being arrested. He had a lot of drunken publics <laughs> and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, the exposing so. themselves was the main one that 
Yeah. I remember. So I think it was interesting that you did this one because I've, I've, I've well, never heard of it. Well, I came in wanting to do the Miami one and this one kept popping the up. Miami like, one's short. It's kind of a shorter I'm like, story. this one's just kind of more fun because it's like he was actually arrested on stage and it's like more in line with what we were talking about. Like, yeah. So now that we've gone through that, I want to pop a question on you. Ooh. What is the craziest thing that's happened to you while you're on stage? Oh, no. Damn it. Uh... Nothing really. I can't think of anything um, besides like being electrocuted. I know you've been like stopped on stage. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm trying to think if there was anything like that. Um, I've definitely been, uh, there was a drunk girl at one show. Um, I think it was at Vinny's, I feel like, um, who kept like, as I was singing, like grabbing my arm and like pulling me down. I think I talked about it on the podcast before. I can't remember the show, but she was like trying to like tell me a secret because she was wasted. And so she kept just like being like, I can't and like grabbing my arm and like pulling me down. And she was really weirdly strong. I don't think I've ever. <laughs> so she that had that, that unconscious drunk strength. She was just like, how yeah. do you, dude, how do people even like hammer drunk? I would, I don't think I would ever go to a lead singer and start pulling them off stage while they're performing. Yeah. Like, who like how drunk are these people getting dude i it's feel so like insane i, I feel me. like at, i briefly played at timeout before it shut down because i turned 21 like within the year it shut down but i feel like i was playing a mind reader show once and like some rando came on stage but i think it was pretty short-lived i was like trying to sing but yeah not not nothing nothing too crazy no one came up stage and like grabbed your mic and was like, I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I don't think so. No. All right. I'm trying to think. I think I've blocked all this out. I've definitely had somebody come on stage. I think it, I think I have a memory of timeout with the mind readers. Um, there's a mind reader that came to our show on Saturday. I haven't seen him in like eight years. Our old drummer, Josh. Oh yeah. He was like, yeah, the mind yeah. readers were sick. <laughs> we always say that every time we see each other. I'm like, yeah, man, they were. Um, but yeah, we played some shit show timeout shows where people were just wasted and like, I don't know. Timeout. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was threatened to be arrested on stage. So I guess I'm right up there with Madonna. I'm like the same. You're basically Madonna. No, we played the Lafayette like art and wine festival when I was like in my rock and roll band Azrael Uh and we were all hyped to play it because you know, it was, it was a really cool spot. Like there's tons of people. It's an outdoor concert. It wasn't even dark yet. It was yeah. like five o'clock and we get on stage and this is like, you know, back in the day where we don't really drive even. So we're like loading up our drummer's dad's giant van and we're like carpooling. We're meeting, you know, we practice for this and uh, we get to the stage, we unload all our stuff and it's like in the middle of this festival. So we have to like wheel it up and we're doing this whole long process. We get on stage, we get through one song and uh, I think like three or four cops walk up and they're just like, you need to <laughs> shut this down now. Shut it, shut down. it down. And we're like, what? <laughs> and they're like, if you play one more song, you guys are going to be under arrest for like, for oh, fuck. What did they say? It was like, um, it was some kind of like noise violation oh like kind of thing. I'm like, I'm like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> it's five o'clock. Like, there's still people here. Like, anyway, like, that was such a bummer. So we ended up <laughs> unloading all our shit off the stage. And like, we played all that just to do one song and then to get yelled at by the cops <laughs> and left. So that was probably my, one of my craziest incidents on stage. Um, I can think of one more, um, but I don't want to call him out, but I was playing Vinny's once with, I think it was uh, the mind readers or maybe when I was briefly like, <sighs> Honeychild. 
anyway uh, our bass player fell off stage (laughs) 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 just completely and it took us all a minute to notice that he completely fell off the stage yeah real Um, drunk Real drunk. We have a lot. Well, Alante almost died. Hurt on himself. Stage. He blacked out. <laughs> I, I think we've all almost blacked out at Mountain Vibe from just. To be clear, not from drinking, from, from sun exposure, from heat exposure. From heat exposure. Yeah. yeah, I it's like 107 yeah. degrees, and you're just. It like, gets hot. Um, before they had the shade structure, if you you know watch the bands without just standing there in the sun for 20 minutes you're just exposing yeah it's it's really uh, and it's high elevation too so there's like a lot of factors coming in um but yeah i've almost passed out at mountain i've never never passed it on stage but that's the closest i've been and that's probably the closest alante's been for sure all right well i think we're gonna wrap this up we've got a show the day after valentine's day what day is that the 15th february 15th uh saturday at jam sellers in napa i think that's gonna be a really good show because of that weekend and we always have fun there um and then we have uh, I don't know if we have another gig set up with them, so we'll we'll have to set something up. Yeah, I think we'll just plug that one for now. For, and, for now, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I know we have stuff at the end of February, but it's we'll get, drawing we'll get a blank. Podcast yeah, out. I can't believe it's already February. That kind of flew by. Anyway, thanks for coming all the way out to Concord this morning. Oh, it's your I house mean, is this real, afternoon. Damn real, uh, it's like 20 minutes. <laughs> hey, for a musician, easy. 1 o'clock, 12 o'clock, that's still morning. Just yeah, <laughs> it felt early. It felt early, yeah. Anyway, I'm Stuart. I'm Emily. And we're going to keep searching for that sweet, sweet soul music. Oh, that's sweet.